With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts nfl total access the podcast is getting you ready for the 2024 nfl draft I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 to 3 Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. We are officially underway on the Doug Gottlieb Show here on Fox Sports Radio. He is Jonas Knox. I'm Dan Beyer sitting in today for Doug. Not only not only is it a three-hour special, but it is a very, very special four-hour edition today as it will be an extended Doug Gottlieb Show because everybody from straight out of Vegas has off except you. Yeah. So they're just... All right. I mean, listen, you know, some people are the, uh, you know, uh, sort of the country club types that uh, that enjoy the fruits of their labor. And then there's others that bring the hard hat and a lunch pail to work and just keep grinding. 
And uh, and and that's me, Dan. Uh, when it comes to straight out of Vegas. No, I love to grind. I'll be grinding on New Year's Eve. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. The Gottlieb Show brought to you by Discover today. Yes, Discover card. We treat you like you treat you. The uh, Clippers uh, didn't treat the Lakers very friendly last night, winning their second matchup with the Lake Show on the season. Winning last night in a game that had controversy, it had great play, and in the end, it ended up with a Clippers victory, who are now the Clippers 2-0 in their season series against the Los Angeles Lakers, and in my humble opinion, Jonas, have clearly stated, while the Lakers have the better record, the Clippers have the better lineup, they have the better coaching staff, they are the better team in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, so so then... Where do we stand now for Laker fans? Does it mean that now the regular season isn't all that important? Because I keep hearing like all these win streaks are putting together and these road records. Are, are we moving the goalposts on that as well? You, we now have a two-game sample size that has given you a clear answer. The, the Clippers are better. I mean, it's it's a better matchup. You, the Lakers may finish with a better record in the regular season, but the Clippers are a better matchup against the Lakers than vice versa, and you've seen it played out two games in a row. If you did a player draft, I think you'd be surprised at how many Clippers you would actually take ahead of Lakers after you maybe get outside of their big three. If yeah, you, but, Lou Williams, um, Pat Beverly. I, I, I love Pat Beverly, but I can understand why a lot of people would be hesitant with him. But they just they feel like, and I don't know about you, but both games, even when the when the Lakers got up early, it just felt like there was no real panic with the Clippers. It was like, okay, well, we're just listen. They're they're managing whatever they're managing long term, and then in these games, and when it came down to it, down the stretch, they made the plays, and the Lakers didn't. I Two think, games in a row. Yeah, I think that's like the calming effect of Kawhi. A bit like like when you talk about leadership, you say, well, leaders don't necessarily have to be vocal. You actually kind of have a vocal leader already in Patrick Beverly being there. But Kawhi is kind of the pulse of that team. And I actually think he's done it with the Raptors as well of just being that steadiness. And when you go out and play the way that he did, it really, really helps a lot. But I think that that's reflective of them. And yeah, down 15, they don't panic. They get key stops and there's. A, a big rebound here or a, a bucket there. The, the Clippers aren't having the ball end up in Contavious Caldwell Pope's hands like the Lakers were in a big moment. He ends up tossing up a brick three. There's just a lot of composure on the Clippers' side. And, you know, we were in your, I was in here yesterday on leading into the game talking with Aaron Torres, and I just want to give him credit for the point because I brought up all the different things about the Clippers. And, you know what, maybe a tip of the cap to Doc Rivers. Just yeah. for as much flack as he's gotten and there was the – you only won the title with the Celtics. That was the only thing that you've done to see what he has done, not only with last year's team, but this year's team. Yeah, they just they they just seem like the better team. And in the two matchups that they've had in what were marquee playoff atmosphere type games, they've come through in the clutch and the Lakers did not. And they've had the best player on the floor. Because yeah. Kawhi has outplayed LeBron James in both games, and it's actually not even close. And we can sit here and talk about a groin injury. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, you know a, a replay review uh, later on in the show. But the bottom line is Kawhi Leonard has outplayed him multiple times in a row now. It's there right in front of your eyes. You can either believe it or you can be in denial. The regular season thing that you mentioned as well I think is unique because it matters to Laker fans for some reason. And and I've I've never understood it. Oh, I've never understood for a team that has won seventeen world championships that why you would now care about a regular yeah. season like that 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 doesn't add up. But Jonas, I even think it goes further. 
I remember on opening night when LeBron was ready to get things going. Oh, yeah. And the national anthem was ending and the Home of the Brave is sung and he's going, you know, woo, let's do this. Last night, there seemed like a playoff type of atmosphere. And now you had you had Paul George back for the uh, for the Clippers. You had Kyle Kuzma back for the Lakers. So even more so than opening night, and you're playing actually on the Lakers floor. Same arena, but it's a Lakers home game. Lakers fans, everything was there for the Lakers and for them to make that statement on national TV, and they couldn't get it done. I, I mean, it's 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 pretty amazing. I'll tell you exactly what it is with uh, with the Laker fans and the fan base, and why the regular season means so much is because they realize the threat is real, because they realize that the danger is there. It's why they've said such disparaging things about the Clippers. I mean, look, five, six years ago, seven years ago, ten years ago, were the Clippers even on the Lakers' radar? They were in the same building, and nobody cared. They didn't think about them. They were just the the annoying little brother that you know took up space and didn't really provide anything to the arena. And now, all of a sudden, the threat is real. The Clippers, in the last six years, have been the better-run organization and the better team, and they're the better team this year, even after you grab Anthony Davis and LeBron James over the past 18 months. And what are we seeing? They're the better product. So Laker fans are trying to, and I know th- this is uh, one of your terms, find your wins. The Laker fans are trying to find their wins when it comes to the regular season. So every time they beat up a team that isn't going to be anywhere near them in the postseason, they want to jump for joy and celebrate because they realize, get your smiles in now because there's tears coming up later. That's domes. You know that's oh, us. Sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Hey, the, uh, the, the Lakers yesterday and it's it's funny to to hear all of the response of what happened and and maybe a denial of of the clippers of success but when when you look at other pro sports cities and you look at two team cities like you have in New York like you have in Chicago like you have here even in in Los Angeles and I'm not talking about the Rams and Chargers but Dodgers Angels Yankees Mets we're talking Cubs, White Sox, whether it be in baseball. You've got those sort of rivalries. And usually, Jonas, it's when the historic team is down that the other team can have an opportunity and rise up. And the Clippers did that, in a sense, with Lob City. When the Lakers were down for those years, Lob City comes in, takes some of the headlines, but really didn't do a lot of damage. When the Mets and Yankees played played in the Subway Series, Yankees won that series. Chicago's a Cubs town. For for as much as the White Sox, uh, you know, winning a world title in 2005, it's a Cubs town. They're not a blip on the radar. Yeah, correct, correct. This is different. And I felt that this was the biggest gap between franchises in the same city, one being relevant and one being not. Jets and Giants, I mean, now in the NFL, I still would say it's a Giants town, New York City. But there's like there's a there's a close gap. Lakers Clippers was was from from here to Hawaii, yes. like it was enormous. And now you had a little headway with Lob City and making it. But when you see what they do in free agency, you see what their ownership's doing. You see a new possible arena. The way that this gap has closed and has done so, and now to see this team not only with the Lakers trying to win the title and not being down and having their six great losing seasons to see the Clippers be above them is something I don't think we've seen in in sports in a situation like this with two teams in the same city. I've been 
born and raised in L.A., uh, lived elsewhere, but born and raised in L.A., and I can tell you, the Clippers have never, ever come close to the Lakers. Mm-hmm. when it, and, and, and this is the other thing, this whole battle for L.A., it's always going to be a Laker town. It just It always will be a Laker town. But Laker fans understand what they're dealing with here. They're not only dealing with somebody in Kawhi Leonard who is right now, for my money, better head-to-head than LeBron James, and we've seen it a couple of times in a row now, but also they're dealing with somebody in Kawhi Leonard who said, no, 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 I don't want you, I want them. And that's hard for them to deal with. Mm -hmm. They've never really had that before. They've never had a guy not only turn them down, but stay in the same building and go to the other locker room and then bring a superstar with him. So it's almost like LeBron got beat at his own game and Laker fans are having trouble coming to terms with it. And I think Steve Ballmer is, I I mean, obviously he's the the owner of the team, but it was a completely different ball game when Donald Sterling, you know, he would mess it up himself. Yeah, yeah, just, just nuts. But now that Steve Ballmer is there and Steve Ballmer wants to win, I mean, I mean, they they want their own arena by the new NFL stadium with another arena on the same block, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is passed. This has already been railroaded through, and they'll probably get that, and and you'll get his I new mean, arena the, as well." The, the stuff that came out a couple of days ago, the reports of Uncle Dennis's demands to, from the Clippers and the Lakers. Where do you think that came from? Of course, no, it was sure. the Lakers. Yeah. Like, of of course, it was, and and they just strike me as the real pretty girl or, or or hot guy who's never been rejected. And the one time they get rejected, all of a sudden now, oh, well, I wasn't into them anyways. Uh, you know, I, I don't like their style. I don't like – no, no, what do you mean? 45 minutes ago, you would have done anything to be in the back of an Uber with them, and now all of a sudden they're not up to, your, <laughs> up to par with you. G- give me a break. It feels like they're having a hard time – adjusting to the idea that they're now second fiddle when it comes to a team and a basketball standpoint in their own building. I, I even, and I even think it, it goes league wide, even of just of, of what the last six or seven years have done to the fan base of caring about a game before Christmas day. Like, yeah. like that's, they, they cared so much. It's the NBA regular season. We all know what its value is, and it's just get into the postseason. But for some reason, there was importance to it. And you know what happens then when you put too much importance? You get it stuffed back in your face, and that's what happens. Like, if they would have played it cool and just been like, whatever. Exactly. the regular season, you know, who cares? They could totally play this. Of like, well, they just got Kuzma back. They're going to add another piece. But that hasn't been exactly. the case. And, and that's been my biggest problem with the Laker fan base uh, and people covering the Lakers up until this point. They're also doing the straw man argument. Like, I'm seeing Laker fans when they were rattling off all those wins in a row. Yeah. You still doubting us? You just got Anthony Davis yeah, in yeah. the off. Who was doubting <laughs> you? Like, who, whoever said the Lakers weren't going to be a good team? Even Las Vegas had them projected at 50-something wins uh, as, their, as, their, as their season total over uh, this year before the year started. Nobody anywhere thought the Lakers weren't going to be a good team. So they're now manipulating their own mind into thinking that everybody's out to get us. Nobody's out to get you. Nobody anywhere with half a brain thought that if by adding Anthony Davis, you were all of a sudden not going to be any good. You were going to be leaps and bounds better, and you are, but but you forgot who you were. It's all about titles, not regular season wins, and they got caught up in the emotion early on. Let alone caring about a team on November 13th. I just, you know, oh, or on, December man. 4th, or here we are 
on December 26th. I mean, just ridiculous. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Harold G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's let's talk some more hoop, Jonas. Our good buddy, senior writer for The Athletic, who covers the NBA. Find him on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. Michael Lee joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Merry Christmas, Michael. Good to talk to you. How are you? I'm doing great. Happy holidays, you guys. It's great to have you on, and it's great to have you on a day after an epic showdown last night between the Clippers and Lakers. Taking that whole game, what's the thing that most surprised you about last night that maybe you didn't expect or just something that you saw finally come to fruition? What was your biggest surprise from last night's Clippers victory? Uh, That I wasn't surprised by anything that happened, maybe. I don't know. Um, 
the Clippers are a better team than the Lakers. Um, they they have four guys who can get you 20 points a game, and the Lakers have two guys that they can count on. If those two guys aren't on and they're not playing at superhuman levels, they're going to have some struggles. They're not going to be able to um, to go out there and, um, and, and compete at a high level. And the Clippers, Kawhi's having an off night or Paul George's having an off night, Lou Williams might bail them out or Montrezl Harrell might bail, bail them out. And they just have this scrappiness, this, this tenaciousness that they just will never give up on a game. And I think that's what the Clippers have displayed. And they got three really great perimeter defenders. They got two all-defensive guys, the defensive player of the year, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. And Patrick Beverly is just the biggest irritant out there going. And so I wasn't surprised by anything other than, I guess, I want to see Anthony Davis, you know, have a big game in these moments. Um, I, I know that he had some game at this with the Pelicans, but he's never played under this kind of pressure or this kind of scrutiny. And I, I just, I'm waiting to see him step up um, and, and perform in a situation where he's really needed and LeBron is compromised. Uh, Michael, is Kawhi better than LeBron at this point, or is it simply a matchup thing when these two teams meet up that Kawhi gets the best of him? Um, well, I mean, uh, I think Le- there are things LeBron does better than Kawhi, but I think if we're talking about just the entire package, Kawhi's better than LeBron right now. Kawhi's the best player in the game right now. Um, he has the ring that supports that. You know, he's the guy that goes out there and says, I'm going to shut you down defensively, and I'm going to give you 30 on the other end. Nobody else in the league can do that the way he does. And nobody's as, as committed to doing it as much as he does. And everybody gets on him about low management and, you know, they question his toughness and, if he's really, you know, the best, how come he can't play every game? You know what? Not many guys can bring it on both ends the way he does. And I think that that's what's lost in a lot of discussions about him and the rest in the load management discussion is that this guy, when he's on the court, there's no let up. There's not a single moment that he's not going hard. He's not giving it his all. So um, I'd rather have a guy give me everything for 65 games than to take a couple of nights off on the court and not give me anything those nights. You never have to worry about that. Kawhi's never going to cheat you on an effort. Michael Lee joining us here on Fox Sports Radio, covering the NBA for The Athletic. He's Jonas Knox. I'm Dan Byron for Doug Gottlieb here on The Doug Gottlieb Show. Have the Lakers peaked? Um, I think they got up to a hot start, and I think that anybody, you know, they got they, they, they got offended when people said they played, they had a weak schedule, but they did. They had a very home-friendly schedule. They, they hadn't gone to the East Coast until late December. That was the first time they had left the comforts of the, uh, you know, that time zone, the Pacific time zone. I mean, they, were, they, were, they had a really cushy schedule that allowed them to play through their mistakes and, and develop their chemistry while beating up on bad teams. A lot of other teams have taken L's against while they played tougher competition. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think you beat who you're supposed to beat, and they've done that, and I give them props for that. But now they're, placed, they're facing some really tough opponents. When you looked at the December schedule, you said, you know what, there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to give them trouble this month. And so far, that's been the case. All the really good teams they faced have, have beaten them. And that's one of the things they're dealing with now, trying to find an identity, trying to find that third option past LeBron and AD, and also dealing with LeBron's you know, mortality. You know, he, He's dealing with an injury now, just like he did this time last year with Christmas. And we'll see how long that keeps him out or – you know, keeps them limited. But, you know, these teams start building up over time. And um, and that, that's what's happening now. The, the Lakers are just going through a rough patch. I still think they're one of the best teams in the Western Conference because they still have two of the top six players in the game. 
But um, but I think that this is just one of those rough patches that every team's going to encounter. And when you had a schedule as pushy as they did, you know, you should expect some rough some rough times. I, I was really amazed that people were talking about them winning seventy games and all the other ridiculous stuff. I was like, hey, hey, let's let's go just you know take a step back and just really look at what's happening. They're they're playing well, but they're also benefiting from a lot of things falling in their favor. Uh, Michael Lee joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Michael, uh, you're based in Philadelphia, correct? Yep, absolutely. What's the buzz there with Joel Embiid coming off a performance that he had? Because, you know, we're talking Lakers-Clippers. That obviously was the marquee game. But Bucks 76ers was that a statement game made by Philadelphia and Joel Embiid? Or can you still not trust him to be consistent enough throughout the course of the season? <laughs> um, I think that there's a lot to trust about Joel Embiid. I think he's one of the best players in basketball. I think that when he's engaged and on, that there aren't many better. Um, and I think that that was a point that he was trying to send, you know, in uh, yesterday's game with Giannis Antetokounmpo, the MVP in the house. He wanted to let him know that you might have the MVP, but I'm on your level. And on some nights I'm going to be better. And I think that that was one of the things that made that, that loss to Toronto last year so deflating for him because there were nights in that series where he was the best player on the court. But Kawhi was the best player over the course of that series, and that's why his team won. And he realized that if I'm not at my best when my team needs me the most, then I'm, not, I'm doing them a disservice. And so I think he's had a very up-and-down regular season because he's really trying to pace himself to make sure that he's healthy, you know, come playoff time. You know, the last two years, he's been hurt. You know, he was hurt in that first-round series against Miami. Um, uh, and and the, first, the first time they made it to the postseason, he never had, had found his rhythm, and he got smoked by Boston in the second round. Um, last year, he was dealing with knee tendonitis for much of the second half of the season. He missed a playoff game against Brooklyn, and he wasn't right in the playoffs. And they, they, they lost in seven games, and they could have really been a championship team because they played Toronto better than anybody else in the postseason. If they had gotten past them and beaten the Bucks, he had a, he had an injury depleted, you know, um, um, Warriors team waiting. They could easily be NBA champions. So I just think he's taking a different approach, you know, to this season. And a lot of people are being critical of it. But I think in some ways, you know, yeah, you want to see him bring it like that every night. But 30 and 10 every night is hard. <laughs> right. Last year, he averaged, last year he averaged 27 and 13, and nobody cared because his team lost in the second round. I've, I, I've loved Joel Embiid. I've actually always felt that Ben Simmons gets too much hype because they're, it's, it's not of a 1A and a 1B. But I just, like, it to me it's more about Joel Embiid and not getting the due that, that – he deserves that's he's he's special like he is he is super it's because he's so quiet he doesn't talk enough (laughs) but uh, and i'm sorry let me let me just slide in here with this michael because i I actually did have a question on the other bench because maybe Giannis and tetacupo could learn something from ben simmons but do you think the bucks have an issue of him going o of seven from three-point range yesterday no, I just think that was just sort of a, a thing that they, they just got smashed last. They got smashed by the seven and six. They got ambushed. They weren't anticipating that. They, they weren't ready for that. But the one thing about the Sixers, they've ambushed a bunch of teams in their house this year. They they were up forty something on Miami when they came the first time. Um, they 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 put a real, they put a muzzle on the um, the Boston Celtics when they first came there. Um, so they've been doing it to good teams that have come into their building. Um, you know, they beat they beat Toronto um, pretty good. So all these top teams in the East, I think they're 5-2 and two against all the other top uh, five teams in the, in the conference. Um, so they, they, they can beat – they can hang with the best. It's just they also can 
dropped some ugly games against the worst because they're not focused. And I think a lot of that does start with Joel Embiid as as leader of that team. And, and some of it starts with Ben Simmons, too, because his energy level, I think, is just as important to them and their success because if both of them aren't bringing the energy, then they're, they're really going to be flat. Um, and if one of them doesn't, it's going to be a bit of a challenge. Uh, against the, the Bucks. they both were motivated. They both were, you know, hyped for that game because they wanted to make it clear to the best team, or this team with the best record, that they were serious about trying to get a win. Find him on Twitter at Mr. Michael Lee. Read him in The Athletic. His, he covers the NBA. Michael Lee, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and uh, thanks again for the time, Michael. Thanks, Michael. All right, thank you. Take care. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. What transpired in the final seconds of last night's game between the Lakers and Clippers where Patrick Beverly knocked the ball out of the hands of LeBron James with about three seconds remaining? The initial call was that the ball was out of bounds on Patrick Beverly, but after an extensive video replay review, the call was overturned and the Clippers were given possession where they essentially could run out the clock after a foul. LeBron James Jonas had something to say about this call in his post-game press conference with reporters. I didn't feel like the ball went off my hand, but I mean that's what that's the way it went. You watched? Have you watched replays on that? Um, I, I've seen a little bit on the jumbotron, but not not since I've been here. Because yeah, the, the physics of it are just kind of confusing. Like how does it how does it go with that angle? If no, I mean if he strips down, the ball will go down. It wouldn't go back. He stripped the ball and it went. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean if you look at a slow motion four or five, ten times, you know, you can always, you know, decide if it's, it could be a different a different uh, call. You know, throughout of a live game, if he strips the ball and it goes, I mean, it's, it's, it's just weird to me. But that, that wasn't the, the, the game right there. I mean, it's a big play, and you want to try to get it right, but it wasn't the game that, that, that lost us. From your vantage point, did he touch the ball? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Huh. It, interesting. It's not 3D art. <laughs> where you're trying to see the shark. I mean, you know, you know what, Dan? Like, yeah, if you use DNA evidence, of course I did it. But I mean, come on! Like, if you got to go that far, if you got to go that far to try and find out whether I did it, I mean, I should be exonerated because of that. I mean, come on, man. This is, and I understand you want to win, but it was a magnificent defensive play by Patrick Beverly, and video replay confirmed the play and was able to validate. How great of a defensive play call it actually, or defensive play it actually was, Jonas. It's not, it's not the Lakers being wronged by this, and that you go by the original call. It was a magnificent play, and yeah, the physics of it don't make sense, but also the optical, the optics of what we saw was that LeBron's fingers touched it as it flew out of bounds. Yes. Just like if you're going for a layup and I knock the ball out of your hands and it hits your knee out of bounds, guess what? It's going to end up being my basketball because it went off of your knee. It's the same exact thing, and I just cannot believe people are complaining about video replay when video replay got the play right and made a great defensive play even better. I just I don't get why people look at this stuff and think it's bad for sports. Not only just in the NBA, but in the NFL. Like I've always been under the assumption that we want to get it right. Like that's always been what I thought. Is that you know if you if you've got the ability to to change a call to the right call, why would you not take advantage of it? Well, you know I mean that's that's not the game we grew up with. 
So what? People used to churn butter and ride horseback uh, and horse and carriage <laughs> through the streets to try and get to where they want to go. Am I just supposed to sell my car and go back to the old days because I have new technology? You've got the technology. You have the ability. It was clear the ball was off LeBron James last. What is the complaint? Like, I, I don't understand how people can look at this, even if you're a Laker fanboy. How can you look at this and say, yeah, look, it okay, so it did go off his hand. That shouldn't be the call. Okay, so what should be the call? The wrong one? Yeah. <laughs> I don't, it doesn't make sense. In, in the landscape that we are now in, when you take a step back and you encompass what we now have in the National Football League, what we've got in pretty much every professional sport we have of some sort of video replay being used, last night in my mind was pretty conclusive, Jonas. It also wasn't an opportunity to be subjective about. It wasn't a pass interference call. It wasn't, did this guy make contact before the ball was being thrown or within a five-yard radius or within a yard of the line of scrimmage? It was none of that. It's basically, who did the ball go off of? And that is what the replay, and that's really what replay was designed to do in the NBA. Like, Let's make sure that the three-point shot was a three and his foot wasn't on the line that maybe we couldn't see in real time. Or let's see if the ball went out of bounds on someone because maybe a ref was out of position or being blocked. This was the instant replay's been around in the NFL for so long, and the new the new implica- the the implementation of it for pass interference is something that I don't like. But this is why you have replay in the NBA. This isn't anything new. This is it's designed exactly what it was. It was used as it was designed for, and they got it correctly. So the only people who are complaining are LeBron James because it went off of him and any Laker fan who, for some reason, are complaining because it was such a slow motion that you couldn't tell. That, to me, is absurd. Look, careers and legacies are on the line every single game. That's just a fact, and and more so maybe in the NFL than in, than in uh, the NBA because, you know, you lose this game, you've got 81 other games that you can make it up. In the NFL, you lose a game like that, and, and guess what? Uh, you, you get screwed if you don't have instant replay and you don't get the call right. And the one I always go back to, and this is why I've been pounding the table for multiple years, and I think everything should be reviewable in the NFL. I think if we've got the technology, let's use it. Why did Dennis Erickson lose his job with the Seahawks? Because they got screwed on a Vinny Testaverde quarterback sneak at the goal line. Seattle would have gone to the playoffs that year, and and Dennis Erickson probably would have kept his job. But they called Vinny Testaverde on a goal line sneak a touchdown when clearly, after replay, he was short of the goal line. His whole his whole resume would look different. Everything would be different about Dennis Erickson sure. in the NFL. As a Seahawks fan, they got Mike Holmgren, so I'm fine with it now being well, short. Well, come on, Dan. <laughs> I mean, I mean, we don't have to no. throw, throw Erickson yeah. down, down the street, do we? <laughs> yeah, to, to your point, I here's I have a problem with how it's how things are happening in the NFL with replay. I To your point, I can't go as far as you want to go where everything is – replayable because I think that there are there are different things I think in the NFL you can see face masks clear as day if a guy has grabbed a face mask you can review that and and show a face mask for some reason referees missed that call and I've never understood how a face mask could be missed but I think that you can see that I think that False starts or a guy moving. If if somebody ends up moving on the line and the defense is jumps off sides on like a fourth and four, you could be like, watch the left guard move his arm or, or like that. Like that's something. The pass interference one to me is just so 
It's so subjective. And there's there's and and now what the NFL has done is made it just so difficult that they're not gonna really overturn it unless it's an extreme case. To me, last year's blown call with the Saints and Rams, you gotta figure out a way how the ref makes that call. The problem wasn't that there was replay that there wasn't replay to correct the error. It was the fact that the error was made in the first place. That's the issue that I have with what yeah. the NFL is doing. And, and look, and the NFL, to to your point, it's it's all subjective. Um, people will look at it and say, well, no, yeah, if you slow it down. Like, I, I get all that. Here's where the difference between that and what we saw last night in the Laker game was. It's not subjective. That was off LeBron's hand. Yeah. There is no other way you can interpret that. There is no other way you can watch that and say, well, yeah, but the laws of physics. No, no, no. The laws of my eyes tell me that the ball last touched his hand before it went out of bounds. Therefore, Clippers basketball, case closed, done deal. How is this arguable? I don't get it. I really do not understand it. You, you know who has the best replay, I think, in sports? Who's that? Baseball. I think ba- outer safe. Boom. Yeah. Over the fair Done. foul. Done. Is he there? And I listen, I, I, I don't know if every single call in Major League Baseball has been correct, but I know that there's a heck of a lot more of them that are right than are wrong. Yes. Of, of, of what you've gotten. And it's crazy because that's what we loved about baseball with balls and strikes. And now if replay is going to go to that point, we, we're, maybe we'll open up a can of worms. But right now in the implementation of where replay works, I love it the best in baseball because outer safe is a big freaking deal. In basketball, out of bounds is one possession. Now, it's a big deal when there's three seconds left in the game. That is a big deal. In the in, On a third and five in the first quarter of an NFL game on a possible pass interference, not that big of a deal. But in baseball, I think that it is a big deal. So when you're talking about using replay with – the NFL really kind of starting it and having it in basketball in certain situations, I actually like how baseball has their replaces. And I also don't give a rip about this. Well, it's going to slow the games down. It's going to take too long. Let me tell you something. If my job was on the line, I'm willing to stay back an extra 15 minutes or 10 minutes or five minutes or two minutes to make sure they get something right. So I don't care about it slowing down the pace of the game. I think I think that's that that's people that clearly just want to be told the wrong information and just go on without their day. Like as, as long as look, uh, uh, my eyes are closed. I, I don't I have no idea what's happening. You just figure it out. Don't tell me anything. And then I'll just trust like Listen, they got the call right. It was clearly off LeBron James. It's why replay was put in. Now, there are times to where it feels like at the end of basketball games, everybody's spinning their finger in the air going, oh, well, can we get another look mm-hmm. at it? Like everybody's, And apparently the officials have the authority to determine whether or not it's worth getting a second look at. So, yes, there has been more of that there, but the rule was put in so we don't have any more plays like this to where it was clearly off LeBron James and it was ruled to be off Patrick Beverly and the Clippers first, and how LeBron is even trying to deny that. He couldn't even come up with an explanation that made no. sense afterwards. <laughs> no, he He's, started to go down the, the road. Uh, I don't know. Like he, he heard himself saying it out loud, and he realized, well, that you doesn't know, sound right. You know, the, the coach's challenge in the NFL, I think, is is good for the simple fact of if you use the challenge you know, to, to take a look at a play – you only have so many of them. It's not unlimited. But the issue that like I see is when the NFL goes to, okay, final two minutes, everything's now 
under review. We're going to take a look at it. I think that there should just be a review. Make it a green flag. Make it a blue flag. Whatever the case may be, where it's the only thing that you have to review. You're not charged a timeout for it. But if you're a coach and you still have that in your back pocket, if Sean Payton had that in his back pocket to look at the one play in the game that yeah. he wanted, you wouldn't have coaches, I think, in the first quarter saying, saying like, hey, maybe I could get these two right, and and that wouldn't slow up the game. Don't put the timeout to it. Just make it like you get one replay review, and that's it, and it's up to you if you want to save it. Because if you don't save it – got to be smart about it. Yeah, exactly. That's on you then, and it takes all the onus off of the officials. I also don't like this. All right, we're giving you guys full power. All right, we're giving you full power. Here are your challenge flags. Challenge anything you want. Awesome. That's so cool. Well, except for the final two minutes. That's on us. Yeah. Wait yeah. a second. So so you're dictating terms again. So I, I, I'm allowed to challenge everything, just not in this window here. Like that – like, if you're going to give them the power, give them the power all the way through, not give them the power, and then take the power away in the most important portion of the game, which is the final two yeah. minutes. It, it, it doesn't make sense to me. And, and, and there are some that would argue as well that every every close score should be a score because you get a look at it. The problem becomes when an offensive lineman or a wide receiver is standing in front of the pylon cam and you can't see if right. the running back got in. So you do have to give the referees the ability to make the call that they think on the field because there are times when there are certain views. In the in the Hawaii-BYU game, the BYU quarterback dives for the end zone, and oddly enough, they don't have a camera on the goal line. They have one like four yards into the goal line, oh, but yeah. the point is is it was called on the field the touchback, and then there was just no sufficient angle to see, and now you have to stick with the call on the field. Uh, by so. the way, the BYU field goal in that game that, that was called a miss, <laughs> that was, that how, was... how does anybody think that that went in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Honest to God, like, why don't you just come out and say, I had money on BYU and that screwed me? <laughs> like, How does anybody see the ball wrap around the goal, uh, the goal post and say, oh my God, he made it, BYU got screwed? What what are you looking at? It was because there was 40 yards between the goalpost and the net. Like, right? I, Wasn't that like, yeah, like to... I don't, and there was a bunch of empty seats. So the ball kind of blended in with the orange, <laughs> uh, uh, old Pro Bowl seats. I just, oh, man. I, I don't know how anybody got confused by that. <laughs> I hope you saw that on Christmas Eve and didn't spend time with your family. Yeah. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. We are less than a week away, Jonas, from wrapping up the uh, the 20-teens, if yeah. you will, the 2010s, saying goodbye to a decade. So what better time, maybe over today and tomorrow, we start to look ahead to some, I don't know, predictions for the next decade, some things in sports that we think could happen over, I don't know, from 2020 to 2029. You ready to let's dive do it. in? Let's okay, do it. let's uh, let's dive in. You ready for this? Let's go. 2028 Pac-16 title game, Oklahoma beats Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah, there it is. All right. There it is. Uh, okay, so, so, so all right, so you think the conference realignment is happening? I think that we are going to see it. I think that Oklahoma ends up somehow in a Pac-16 sort of scenario. Okay. So for the two schools that were rivals in bowl games for for a couple of seasons in Oklahoma and Oregon playing in regular season at a regular season series as well, it's kind of a bit of a rivalry that isn't really known because they don't play every year. But there's been enough there where Oklahoma and Oregon kind of go 
you know, go at it. So I think that you could see the Pac-16 North winner, Oregon, taking on the Pac-16 South winner, Oklahoma, and then playing in the 2028 Pac-16 title and, game. And plus, you were specific. I'm not year specific on mine. I'm just calling my shot on what I believe will happen okay. in the next 10 years. All right. Uh, all right. So the next decade, Dan, I believe Tom Brady will retire. Oh, yeah, I he's right. going to retire, Dan. I'm telling Interesting. you, I got I got a feeling he is going to retire over the next decade at some point. Yeah. And, and you know what? To be more specific, I think it's going to happen between 2020 and 2024. Mm, yeah, interesting. He will retire. That, he's well, gone. That would give him a lot of time then if he retired in 2024 to watch Vladimir Guerrero Jr. for the Toronto Blue Jays. Yeah. Become the first 100-100 player. Okay. Because it's going to happen in 2026. The first player to ever hit 100 home runs and strike out 100 times. Now, the strikeout's not a big deal. But to to hit triple digits in home runs, I I can actually see Tom Brady at the new and revitalized Sky Dome in 2026 watching him hit that 100th home run off of uh, some picture from the Texas Rangers. Yeah, so, and now, do you think that he would have a better chance at that record if he, like his dad, wore no batting gloves? <laughs> I hate think. Oh, that's a good, good question. Um, it's always better with no gloves. Oh yeah, I, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Baseball yeah. too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. One hundred, one hundred. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. All right, twenty twenty six. Here's one, Dan. I know this has been floated around. All right. uh, people have wanted it, uh, especially owners. I think in the next ten years, there will be no change to the NFL schedule. No seventeenth game. Ooh. They, they will not make a change. I think. I think this is all a bargaining ploy, and I think they realize that there's no shot in hell that the players are going to agree to an extra game during the season. No seventeenth game at all in this next uh, decade. You know, it's funny because. My crystal ball that I look ahead to the next decade must be on the same frequency that yours is on because I have the 2027 Titans going nine and seven. Okay, you know what? They're, that is a ballsy pick. Yeah, yeah. There's, that's yeah. not 10 and seven. That's a, that's a ballsy They're pick. They're not nine and eight. When have the Titans not gone nine and seven? Yes. So in 2027, the Tennessee Titans will go nine and seven. That's what I, that's what I foresee for the next decade in. The NFL. In the next five years, meaning from 2020 to 2025, at some point in the next five years, I think marijuana will be legalized in all sports. Really? Yes. I think all sports are going to make marijuana legal. Uh, I think we are starting to outgrow the stigma. It's like prohibition back in the day when it came to booze. I mean, now, I mean, uh, pick pick a commercial break. There's some guy walking down the street with a, a 40 ounce or, or a tall boy, a Bud Light. Like, I think all sports are going to be open-minded uh, and they're going to realize it's safer for these guys to use cannabis or marijuana and they're going to take away the stigma. That'll happen between 20 and tw- 2020 and 2025. I, I can see at Yankee Stadium... Get your guns. Get your <laughs> joints right here. Who wants a doobie? Who wants right? a hacky sack? Hacky sack here. Hacky sack. Oh, there, there it is. We'll take two. Yeah. Two down here. Two down here. I tell you, players are going to be on it, man. Players are going to be smoking weed in the dugout stand. I can see it. All right. You ready for my final prediction What's of that? the next decade? We'll have more tomorrow as well. 
2029 NBA Finals. Okay. The Mexico City Supersonics beat the Boston Celtics. Oh, there it is. Yes. 2029. Not only does Mexico City get a team, they steal the nickname from Seattle oh, and yeah. end up beating the Boston Celtics and winning the 2029 NBA title. I mean, could you imagine if Seattle lost a team to Oklahoma City and then to Mexico City? <laughs> I mean, talk about two L's. Yeah, like, no. like there's nothing worse than Sorry. that. Sorry, oh man, and there's Sean Kemp and Gary Payton yeah. courtside with that great <laughs> with uh, sombreros. Twenty twenty nine. By the way, that series they win in uh, the final decisive game thirteen. Oh, so okay. Ba- yeah, All best right. of thirteen in the NBA. Because let's squeeze as much out of this of orange course. as we can. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Juan Gabriel. Juanquis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, 
Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know who else is probably uh, feeling good every time the Clippers go out and outperform the Lakers? Load management truthers. Mm, you know, the, the LMTs. Yeah, the LMTs, the load management truthers who swear by load management, even in the face of all the criticism they get from people who say, it's not fair for the fans. What about the fans? What about them? Uh, if your parents can afford those kind of tickets, they can probably afford a second pair. <laughs> so so the uh, the load management truthers out there, now look at two examples, although one was at the start of the season. Uh, they look at now this latest example of Lakers Clippers, and they go, that's exactly why you pick and choose your battles during this NBA schedule, because Kawhi Leonard went out there and looked like the best player on the floor in a game where he's been told all year long he's not doing it the right way because he's taking games off. I find that in an, an extreme double standard of – just of of those who are against load management, just for the simple fact of this, Jonas. If let's use let's use James Harden as as an example. Right. Actually, no. Let's use let's use Kawhi Leonard. Let's use Kawhi Leonard because he is the load management guy. If Kawhi Leonard goes out and plays eighty two games and is just then spent in the playoffs, carrying the Clippers throughout the regular season. And they flame out in the Western Conference fin- or semifinals, losing four games to one to the Houston Rockets. What do we say? Like, man, right. why in the world did you use Kawhi Leonard that much Bingo. in the regular season? And then we rip on his legacy and say that he can't get to an NBA Finals outside of you know what he did with the Spurs and Raptors or his the past, like, all of the different excuses that you can have. So it's so. It's it's such a double standard for everybody who wants every NBA player to play every game and then perform at the level that then we would use that against them in the playoffs. It's it's not fair. And I hear the well, Jordan never missed you know any, any games. First of all, they also were playing the first rounds were a little bit shorter, and yeah. I know it's it's not it, it's two games that they ended up adding, and you're sweeping and maybe three games instead of four, but I just, I don't find that, I don't find that now, I don't think that we had those sort of comparisons even back in the day. I think it actually started after Jordan got six, and now we're like, whoa, then you're going to be able to to match that. Yeah, you can't have it both ways. You can't sit here, and every time a conversation comes up about who's the greatest, it's all about who's won the most titles, and then also get on the same players that you criticize publicly who are taking the approach to win titles that you have deemed the most important thing, and then you criticize them because they're taking the approach to go do that. Like, how does that work? Like, like we're telling these guys, your legacies are determined on what you do in May and June. So then why are we busting their balls when they do something yeah. in November? Like, that, that doesn't add up to me. I, I always felt going into this season that the regular season was more important to the Lakers. I always felt like they were going to come out uh, hair on fire to try and show everybody we are back. We're the Lakers. Uh, There's new uh, buzz in the building. We've got LeBron James. We've got Anthony Davis. We are back and we're ready to roll. And I always felt like the Clippers, in making the decision to bring in Paul George, who was coming off a of surgery in the offseason, and Kawhi Leonard, who used load management last year to get into the postseason, also dealing with an injury to win a title, that the Clippers were going to take the long approach. They were going to look at take take that approach and say, we're worried about May and June, not the regular season. And so when Laker fans come out or, or people in the media criticize the Clippers' approach, 
I just want to know where you're going to be at in May and June when it works. Because if it works in May and June, I don't want to hear you backtrack. I want you. I want to hear you say I was wrong. Well, the good thing is, is that Anthony Davis doesn't have a history of injuries, and that LeBron that is James true. isn't old. That so is you true. know that they will be able to last in March. And yeah, April. He, they, they. He's been called the Cal Ripken of the NBA. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that is I, true. Yes, realistically, you know, and I think that their loss without LeBron actually is has played a little bit of a role in this because then when LeBron didn't play uh, against the the Nuggets it was like oh okay so this is this is us without LeBron James and you can maybe navigate stuff with with Anthony Davis being out and LeBron being in there I think that's a bit of a wake-up call, and now the Lakers are going to have to figure out a way, and they are atop the Western Conference, but they aren't the best team in the Western Conference, and I'm sorry if you're the Lakers and you want to knock off the Clippers, which now you will have to do in the playoffs, because if they completely have your number for the entire year, whether with the regular season and the postseason, you need those two guys to be there in the playoffs to have an opportunity to maybe change this narrative that has started for the first two months of the season. The Lakers are in a bit of a tricky spot when it comes to that all that i've heard is that well kyle kuzma we can't trade kyle kuzma he's the guy okay uh yep hey listen we got anthony davis yes you do uh lebron james king james and he's going to be rested and totally motivated yep god we need another wing god we got to have this uh you know we got to have a guy that does this Uh, we need another three and d guy we gotta like i mean could you imagine acquiring Anthony Davis in his prime in the offseason, convincing yourself that you kept the right guy of your young nucleus that you were trying to build around, and this many games into the season, then saying, nah, we got to have more. We got to have more. At some point, you can't really do anymore, mm-hmm. and the reality is the reality, that maybe you're just not as good as them, and you need to hope that they trip up before they get there so you don't have to face them in the postseason. Yeah, not, not, not you almost... You're like what? A, we we both have to get the one and two seed because if you're the Lakers, you don't want to face them in the Western Conference semifinals. You remember you and I talked about this. We were on the air working together, and it was after the NBA trade deadline. And I remember having this conversation because people criticized Danny Ainge and the Boston Celtics because they didn't go out and swing a trade to try and get Paul George. And you and I went on the air and said that still wouldn't be enough so why would they do it like why why would you trade away all these a- assets if you still in adding Paul George it's not going to be enough because if you do get through the Eastern Conference you're not beating Golden State mm-hmm. so so what are you doing just making moves to make moves it didn't make any sense and at some point i think maybe laker fans and people that cover the team have to acknowledge at some point you have to just roll with what you got because when you start chasing the way that they're chasing, I mean, when LeBron does decide he's out or if Anthony Davis does come into some injury issues, I mean, what kind of team is going to be left there? And I know you worry about the now, but I just don't know that there's an easy fix out there that's going to close the gap between you and the Clippers. Again, if we were – we mentioned this at the top. If you had a draft to take Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and then LeBron James out of the equation, uh, maybe you go – Kyle Kuzma may be the first pick of the guy that you would take. Lou Williams the second, Montrez Harrell the third, Patrick Beverly the fourth, Landry Shamit the fifth. All of those guys being taken before you would take any member of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. So that also then tells you the amount that is on the shoulders of those three guys because of because of what else the Lakers have on their roster. And I don't think that there's another player that will become available 
prior to the trade deadline coming up in two months that the Lakers could acquire to put them at the level of or a a release, you know, of an Andre Godot. Like that doesn't it doesn't close the gap. You actually are where you are right now if you're the if you're the Lakers. And do they have the draft capital? To, because didn't they give away first round picks to New Orleans? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Off the top I, of my head, I can't remember exactly yeah, what it was, but it, but so, so then so then who on that roster are they going to give up? And somebody's going to go, oh, thank God, yes, please take our star, Alex Caruso. <laughs> I mean, if you did that yeah. same draft, Dan, I swear to God, there's like like 40 percent of people listening would take Michael Cage over Alex Caruso right now. <laughs> At least is perm. I mean. Yeah, Where's Jerry like, Curl? Yeah, love Michael Cage. <laughs> no. Man, a rebounding machine. What didn't he play for the Sonics too? Michael Cage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yep. Damn Little right. Persons as well. You know, lo- we started talking about load management. I remember going to a, a game, a baseball game, where Ken Griffey Jr. took off a Sunday because it was an afternoon game, travel day, playing like the you know the, the night yeah. before. And I remember being devastated about it, of being like, oh, geez, we go to a, we get to go to a Brewers game. To watch Ken Gravy Jr. and he's not even in the lineup that day. You know what the Mariners did? Put him in the pinch hit. You know what? We got to see Ken hey. Griffey Jr. You know what? Maybe if you have you know such a problem with load management, go out, go and shoot a free throw and then leave. You know yeah. there there could be just the, the talk of load management isn't just prone to the MA. It's getaway days in Major League Baseball. It's it, the, you know this stuff has happened before, so and, it's not just an NBA thing. And I think if you really want to be uh, cruel about it, if you if you're load managing, uh, not only do you bring the guy out to sit on the bench and tease the fans with his appearance, but you make him wear a disguise so they can't even see what his face looks like. Like so, they show up there wanting to see LeBron James, and he's got a disguise on. Like, not only do you not get to see him play, you don't even get to see his face while he's wearing a suit. The masked bench warmer, yeah, damn on straight. Fox. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at first first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see... See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? 
facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.